Hi, this is Chris Campbell, and welcome to the Food Institute Podcast. Today, we welcome back Robin Carter, CEO of Jump Rope Innovation, to discuss plant-based products and their growing popularity. But first, whether you are a first-time listener or becoming something of a regular, we ask that you share this episode on your social media platforms. It really helps us expand our reach, and we appreciate it when you do so. And I should also note, we are available on Spotify and Apple iTunes, so take a look for, this, uh, for these episodes there, and please subscribe if those are your platforms of choice. So with that, I will introduce Robin, uh, welcome her back to the show and ask her how she's doing today. So how are you, Robin? I'm good. Thanks, Chris. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, I'm wondering, you know, would you be able to give a background on yourself and also jump rope for those who may have missed the first episode you did with us? Sure, sure. So I'm Robin Carter. My company is Jump Rope Innovation. I founded it in 2004 um, after my son was born. I came from the world of advertising. And um, at Jump Rope, we help our clients to understand consumer and category trends and then to put those things together in service of smart innovation. So it's Veganuary and, you know, people are making the decision to switch to plant-based foods over animal-based products this month in, in mass. And I thought it would be a good way to start the conversation is just taking a look at some consumer insights on why a person would choose a plant-based product. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of reasons why consumers are choosing plant-based products. And I think that's one of the things that makes plant-based products so exciting and, and dynamic right now. Number one, you know, are consumers who are looking for ways to improve their health, right? And number two, I, I would say, are consumers who are looking for ways to be more environmentally responsible. And this is a really interesting area and something that's that's fast growing right now. And I think something that's specifically compelling for, for younger consumers. Um, another reason would be, you know, sort of dietary needs and, and some consumers making those choices because, you know, they're not able to, you know, consume um, dairy products, let's say, or just trying to, you know, uh, leverage certain diets that would make them, you know, want more plant-based choices in, in, in their lives. But I think another interesting motivator right now is that there's a cultural conversation happening around plant-based foods. And so even if it's not somebody who, you know, is really thinking hard about the reasons why they want to, you know, invest in this category, they're thinking that there's a conversation happening and I kind of want to be a part of it. So they're looking for easy, um, you know, easy ports of entry where they can try something and feel like they're a part of this kind of conversation that we're having in this country at this time. And then it's only going to grow from here. I'm wondering, is it a number of these different, you know, motivating factors for people? Are people latching onto multiples here or is it really, you know, different uh, schools of different people coming together and all buying these products for their own motivating reasons. Uh, you know, I guess we can bring up the two that we talked about there. We had nutrition, healthier attributes, better for the environment. So I guess the question is, is it a coalescing of all these different factors? Is it different groups going for it? What kind of, you know, populations are you seeing going for these different products? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a coalescing there, right? So, so when we talk to consumers about you know, plant-based products, they have like a healthy halo around them. So when consumers are making plant-based choices, they also have a sense that they're generally making healthier choices. So even if they're ethically motivated or motivated by sustainability, they also think that they're getting something in general that's healthier, that's more considered, that somebody's thought about. It may not even always be true, um, but it's definitely sort of all in the same bucket in consumers' minds. And so, you know, if your primary um, motivation is health, you kind of go into um, thinking about plant-based foods, and then you're also assuming you're getting something that's overall better. So it's not just something that's good for your health, but there's other consideration, you know, around, um, you know, sustainability perhaps, or, or other values-based attributes. And just as, just as if, you know, you approach plant-based eating from, you know, environmental 
perspective, you're also thinking that, okay, there are other attributes here at work. Um, you know, it's going to be healthier. I'm going to be making a healthier choice for myself as well. So another thing that seems to be propelling these brands forward is the rise of the flexitarian diet. Uh, and for those that may not be aware, that would be a diet where people focus on eating plant-based foods, but they don't entirely restrict their diet. So I was wondering if you've seen any growth in your research among these kinds of consumers that are, you know, maybe mostly eating vegetarian or, you know, maybe they're picking up veganuary and doing one month of eating plant-based foods only. Um, are you seeing a rise in this kind of consumer? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we're seeing a huge rise in this kind of consumer, people who are sort of dabbling in this area or who are just trying to make more plant-based choices. And the other thing I want to point out is that when we're talking about making more plant-based choices, we're not only talking about choosing sort of alternate meats um, or alternate milks. We're talking about sort of a rebalancing of the plate where people are leaning more into plant-based things, even that come, you know, naturally from the earth. So more grains, more vegetables. Um, so I think we are seeing that kind of rebalancing as well um, as people, you know, making for very intentional plant-based choices. Um, but we are seeing consumers um, who, who want to dabble more in this area, who are just looking to include include more plant-based choices, you know, in their in their diets. And I think there are a number of factors that are making it so much easier for consumers to, to do that and to make those choices and to engage in this way. So I guess one of the great questions for a food manufacturer that's looking to launch a plant-based line is, you know, how do you reach out to these flexitarians and offer a product to them, but also not push away or alienate maybe more strict vegetarians and vegans? Is there a way to kind of make that balance happen where you're reaching out to this general consumer, but also kind of, you know, taking care of what has been the bread and butter for plant-based products for many years? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the number one thing that manufacturers can do right now is to lead with taste, right? So if they make something delicious, then making a plant-based choice becomes really easy for consumers who aren't fully invested in this world. It just becomes kind of another flavor or another option, another variety, something else that's available in their world of things that they're choosing from. So I think that's a great way to engage people who who may just kind of want to get want to get involved and and you know haven't been as as forthcoming in that way until now, um, but in doing that, I think that they have to kind of maintain a level of transparency and also be thinking through the other elements, um, you know, of plant based choices like thinking through the packaging, the environmental considerations, um, making sure that it's not just something that's um, okay. So this is a plant based version of something, but um, there are other attributes here that don't don't ring true to me anymore, you know, as somebody who's been committed to this lifestyle for a long time. So I think continuing to be transparent about process and sourcing um, and also continuing to um, maintain a, a strong sustainability message um, will help to keep um, the more strict vegans and, and vegetarians, you know, um, in love with your brand. So I think one of the things that people have really picked up on over the last couple of years is the rise of the plant-based burger and ground beef. And that's really where the current uh, plant-based craze seems to have started and is mostly focused. But before that, we did have a entryway into this world, and that would probably be best described as a milk alternative. And we've seen almond milks, coconut milks, et cetera. Um, you know, they were really touted as being the next big thing, but it seems that they kind of get stuck around a 10% market cap compared to their traditional products. So I'm wondering, do you think there's going to be more room for growth for these plant-based meats, or do you think that might be the, the threshold is that kind of 10% market cap? 
I think there is going to be more room for growth for these plant-based meats. Um, the work that we've done with influencers this year has certainly indicated that as well. Um, but I do think that there's going to be room for growth among these plant-based meats for several reasons. Um, I think we've only scratched the surface on the number of types of meats that are available, and we'll continue to see more variety there. We'll continue to see more nuanced choices, more sophisticated options as well, um, and for these kinds of products to be more accessible to more consumers. So more accessible in terms of price, um, more in more accessible in terms of availability too, and being able to get them, you know, in the meat cabinet next to where you know I'm, where the regular meat is stored. So I think you know those factors will drive consumers to you know to increase their usage with these kinds of products. And then I think you know just more plant based eating in general. You know, as I said, the, the plate is changing a bit where consumers are trying to make more plant based choices, not just these alternates, but to include more vegetables and other sources of proteins like pulses and and uh, legumes in their diets. So so I do think that there's more growth for plant-based meats, but also more growth for plant-based products in general. What new plant-based products do you think food makers should be looking out for in the, in the coming year? Um, you know, like I said earlier, we've seen pretty successful launches of plant-based burgers and plant-based ground beef, but we've also started to see some companies dabbling in plant-based chickens, seafood, and even grains. So you think they'll kind of start exploding in popularity in 2021? You think it's a little bit early? What kind of trajectory do you see for these other types of plant-based products? So I do think that we've just scratched the surface on what's going to be available in these kinds of plant-based products. And I do think that we're going to see more sophisticated options. So more chicken that um, that isn't breaded and made into nuggets, but more chicken that you can use in a recipe that you might make for your family just the way you would use regular chicken. Um, so more options like that. I think we're going to see more fish. Um, there's a lot of technology there and the quality of these products, the ones that we've tried has been really great. So I think we're going to see more of that as well. And I think um, in more plant-based fish, you kind of address some of the other situations that are, um, you know, that are challenging around, around fish and fishing. So um, I think consumers will be really open to and excited about uh, these, these plant-based fish options. And I also think more pork options. Um, but at the same time, those other products, like those sort of um, gateway products, like the hot dogs and the ground beef, are going to continue to be important um, areas of entry and, and opportunities for entry for consumers who are just learning about these products, just experiencing them or, or seeing them in their stores for the first time. So those aren't going to go away. Um, but these other newer, you know, um, the plant-based meats 2.0, I guess, versions are going to be rolling out and I think will be really well embraced by consumers. So on the flip side, do you think there are any plant-based products that maybe will have a cooling demand in 2021? Maybe things will cool off a little bit for them. The only one I can think of is maybe plant-based meats. Um, but yeah, I'm just interested to see if you think there is going to be any contraction in the market this year, or do you think it's really just primed to expand? I don't think there's going to be contraction in the market. And we saw in 2020 um, such an increase in um, ordering of plant-based foods from um, delivery. So from um, from Grubhub, I think uh, there was um, plant-based meat orders spiked in popularity by 463% in 2020. I saw that study. So you know, I think there's a lot of passion around plant-based meats. I don't think that we're going to you know, see a contraction in these sort of core products, I think we're going to see a shift in who's eating what. So consumers who may have not, you know, engaged in this category so far are going to engage through these gateway products, through the ground meat, through the um, the hot dogs, through the nugget types of products. Um, and then consumers who have already kind of had the experience of using those products and found the quality to be good and and are, are anxious for more, those consumers are going to be looking for more sophisticated options or, or just newer options to add variety to their diets. 
Um, and I think they're going to be looking for kind of the staples for the chickens and the pork substitutes, things that they can make for dinner in the same way that they made, you know, those those products for dinner previously. So I think one of the things that's also kind of hurt adoption of these products might be uh, pricing on them. Uh, and in 2020, we, we did see rising prices for a lot of meat products. And it seems that a lot of plant-based products have kind of either kept their price or maybe even gone down in certain situations. So I'm wondering, do you expect this to have the same kind of dynamic in 2021? Where do you see pricing on these products uh, kind of going in the future? So I think that the price of these products has been somewhat prohibitive for consumers who may have been interested, but, you know, need to feed a family or four or five. Um, and, you know, and so these products were somewhat prohibitive, cost, cost prohibitive for them. But I think we're going to see, we are seeing the prices of these products come down. Um, and we also are seeing, you know, real entry from private label here that's going to make the these products a lot more accessible to more consumers, you know, both in in terms of variety and availability, but also in terms of, of price. So I think, you know, we're going to see more of a, a balancing out where these products become more affordable for more people. So that's a great segue, because I did want to talk about the expansion of plant-based products in the private label channel. And I know most people paying attention to this sector saw, you know, pretty high valuations for both Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods last year, and probably rightfully so, considering they were the first to market in a lot of ways. But we also saw Tyson launch its Raised and Rooted brand last year as a notable example of uh, maybe not so much private label, but also just another member entering into the sphere. So we're seeing a proliferation there. So I am wondering, you know, are we going to see supermarkets developing their own private label versions of these plant-based products in 2021 or even beyond? Yeah, 100%. So I think what we're seeing is private label um, advancing in many ways across categories. And that's been the case, you know, for the last few years, but I think it's really heated up in the last year or two. And there's a lot of pressure on private label to, you know, turn out great quality products at affordable prices, especially as we're living through this, you know, growing recession right now. So, you know, we're seeing private label doing a wonderful job of staying, you know, on trend and producing products that people want in the moment. So it used to be when we would, you know, look at private label, we would see a lot of things that were, you know, aimed at maybe being equivalent to mainstream. And now we're seeing private label leapfrogging what's happening in mainstream and and going head to head with what's happening at the cutting edge of things. So, you know, absolutely, I think we're going to see more entry from private label. Um, we've seen Walmart do a bunch of private label um, plant-based products. Uh, Kroger this year tested 50 new private label products as well. You know, I think across the board, we're going to see uh, real growth in the plant-based offerings from um, from the private label brands. Uh, what about startups? Do you expect many plant-based product makers are going to be able to step into the spotlight in 2021, or are they going to be overshadowed by these private label slash uh, traditional protein companies that are making headway in the space? So I do think there's an opportunity for the smaller players, but I think it's going to be more challenging in the coming year because we see, you know, the growth of plant-based products among the traditional protein providers. We see the growth of plant-based products from the private label brands. So I think that, you know, when these small startups are entering, they're going to need to bring something new and different that isn't already being duplicated and replicated by these big brands. There is still an opportunity. It's just going to be um, more challenging and we're going to need to see something more differentiated, you know, game-changing level product at this point. Well, speaking about those kinds of game changing products, I know you are pretty well connected to the influencer world. So I'm wondering if you have a tip for our listeners, what kind of product do you think is really going to make a splash next year? I heard you say plant-based pork a few times, and that's one of my uh, beliefs that that might be the next big spot for these plant-based products. But I was wondering if you have any insight into what's you know trending right now. What are people looking at that they want to either have as a plant-based product or maybe something that people are already enjoying? Uh, that's a good question. So I think we are going to see growth in plant-based pork. 
Um, I think we're going to see growth in plant-based fish. I think we're also going to see plant-based products that are one-to-one, easy for people to use, to know how to use. I think that's a big um, a big challenge for some people who may be curious about these types of products and are not sure exactly how to use them in place of products that they have used in the past. And especially for people who are still eating meat, you know, who, who don't have to make this choice, it might be a little um, scary. So I think we're looking at, um, you know, at one-to-one products that can be used just in the same way that traditional proteins were used. But I also think we're going to see some, you know, sort of higher end restaurant quality, um, like beautiful food that's being made with plant-based alternatives. So, you know, what is the equivalent of a super high quality Wagyu beef or um, of, a, of a lamb chop? And in Asia, we're seeing some um, great examples of, you know, Michelin star chefs who are using these plant-based products to make this sort of really high level food. And I think among people who are more comfortable in this arena, um, there's going to be more curiosity and more excitement around products like that, that really, you know, replicate sort of high end um, meals and, and meats. Excellent. So I think that about wraps it up for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. Uh, Once again, I'd like to thank Robin for her time today. And Robin, where can our listeners uh, go to learn more about you and Jump Rope Innovation? Sure. Um, You can connect with me on LinkedIn or look us up at jumpropeinnovation.com. All right, perfect. And we'll definitely share the relevant links in the description of this episode. And remember, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share. If you'd like to learn more about the Food Institute, please take a look at those links in our description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you and your company. So until next time, this is Chris Campbell signing off. Thank you.